Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Today we are going to listen in to an interview from an online event I did several years ago. Joy Ware Miller is a speaker and author, which is how we met because we have the same New York publisher, Morgan James Publishing. She is the president of iJoy Inspirations, the founder of Parents on Call, and also helping hurting hearts heal. She's hosted a daily radio show called Joy in the Morning, and she still works for a large Christian radio station in Ohio. Joy has a powerful message of hope, and you can see she's very busy with that message of hope. In this interview that we'll start this week and finish next week, there are so many things that Joy shared for us as perivers to help us come out of that place of darkness and hopelessness and into a place of hope and light and life again. So let's go ahead and get started and hear what my friend Joy has to share as we talk about going from surviving to thriving. Well, hello, Joy. My name is Laura. We're going to be talking today about going from just surviving to thriving. First of all, tell us about your son, Christopher. You know, what was that loss like? What happened? Oh, my goodness. So it's been about, it'll be going on 12 years um, in March. And so... We were just living life, loving God, and uh, a young family. My oldest was 13. I had a daughter, uh, 10, and the youngest was five all of the time. So uh, a lot of sports and uh, stroll, walking, biking, all those kind of fun things that families can relate to. So we actually thought Christopher was like the healthiest among us because he was riding, skateboarding. I mean, if it moved, he was on it and uh, lifting weights and doing all these kind of things. And he'd pat me on my head and say, Mom, you're such a a little thing. Because he was six foot one and about um, size 13 shoe. So I mean, he was a big kid at 13. And so he had these aspirations and these awesome dreams of uh, playing basketball. And he was known on the court as the beast. But off the court, he was this gentle giant. He was um, very, very active and uh, looking out for the little guy because he was so big, he would be that stand-in, you know, wouldn't want anything to happen. And that's how really he got to know a best friend. He took the heat for something and they were like best friends ever since then. So life was great. Life was great. And I was working at the radio station and we were doing different things at that time, but Um, Christopher was going to the Y to to just work out that night and my husband dropped him off and I was going to go finish up some things at home and go work out and pick him up and so that was just the game plan beautiful March you know afternoon so then uh, get a phone call from a friend of mine who is at the Y and so she's like joy you need to get here ASAP Christopher has collapsed and we're like I mean, it just, those, those words didn't even sound right. You know, our healthy child and he's collapsed. And so my husband and I, we get out there. We're small, kind of rural town. Didn't take long, but it seemed like it was forever. And we got there 
and at the Y, the ambulance is out there. We rush in and they're trying to slow us down, but you know, there's like no stopping us. So we get in there and uh, about six paramedics are working around uh, Christopher. And so um, my husband, Charles, just goes straight to praying. I mean, just praying and uh, fighting for his son's life in prayer. And I was standing on the outskirts looking and I'm, and I'm praying and the paramedics looked and said, hey, who is this? I'm like, that's dad. <laughs> You're not going to get him any quieter or stop him from, you know, declaring and decreeing uh, life over this child. And so they finally got him and took him over to the hospital, kind of around the corner there. And so now, um, as being on the air, my dad was a pastor and um, police chaplain. We've lived there, church family, all of that. So the, the waiting room, word got around really fast that something had happened. Christopher was, you know, in the emergency room. So we had a room full of people praying. I mean, and we were still waiting to talk with him because it's like, what happened? You know, we couldn't figure out what had happened, why he was, you know, kind of, he was definitely unconscious, but we're just waiting to talk with him. So the um, chaplain, she kept coming back saying, hey, they're still working on Christopher and we'll come back. We're going to keep you posted. So we're just praying, 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 praying. And anticipating going in and talking to him and just like, hey, man, what happened? So finally, after a little bit of time, they said, Mr. and Ms. Miller, you can come on, come on over. So I just remember, Laura, coming out of the little chaplain, little prayer chapel room, and I see a sea full of faces, a sea full of friends and family and coworkers and community people. And it was like slow motion we walked into this emergency room where they had been working on Christopher. And so there's Christopher six foot one feet, not able to even stay on the gurney. He's longer than the gurney. This is my firstborn, my, my Christopher laying there. And I noticed around the room, all these paramedics, they're just standing along the room. And one of the people that was very significant in there was my dad. He was, since he was the police chaplain, he had been in there the whole time as they were working on Christopher. So we go in and we're, we're walking in and all of this is happening like split seconds. And we hear those words, Mr. and Mrs. Miller, we've done all we can do. And those words, you know, they just, they just kind of hang there. They just kind of hang there. And then the reality starts to <laughs> almost 12 years later, you know, you say those words and it starts to flood back. We see the monitor in the heart monitor, you know, instead of it going up and down, up and down, which you, which we know that is a good, it was a flat line. It was just going straight across and, you know, he wasn't moving and, you know, everybody's standing back and, uh, you know, my husband's like, no, can't you do more? You know, isn't there something you can do? And that, that's what had taken so long. They thought because he was so young at 13, 
there was more that they could do. They were trying to massage his heart and get him to respond, and he wasn't responding. So I looked at Christopher. Still, you know, they had um, kind of ripped away his shirt, but he still had on his basketball shorts. He still had on his shoes, and we're looking at him. And as I looked at him, and, you know, it's like, the windows, our eyes are our windows, and he wasn't there. And two thoughts went into my mind, absent from the body, present with the Lord. And then I have to take you back prior to that seven years on that same day, we had had a miscarriage. And so how I'm just tying this together of how it what happened in that emergency room prior to that time with Christopher seven years I we had had a miscarriage and actually Laura it was on the same day March 10th 1998 seven years later March 10th 2005 we would be walking through this with Christopher so seven years prior we lost Matthew we were four months along had seen the heartbeat and then on the next visit which was the March 10th date they said we had lost this little Matthew. Well, at that time, I was very angry and very, I, I grew up as a PK kid, a preacher's kid. <laughs> and so those kind of things weren't supposed to happen. You pray, you believe God, and then good things happen because you love God. And that's just like kind of how I thought things were. And so when we had the miscarriage, that was like um, a myth. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, Lord, how could you let this happen to me? I have loved you all my life. And so struggled with that. However, the choice, there are some choices that we have to make during this walk, during this journey. I chose to keep going to church. I chose to keep opening my Bible, even though the words were flat. I chose to keep putting myself in a position to allow God to speak to my heart. Hard choices, because sometimes you're difficult, like, God, I'm, I think I'm kind of mad at you. But I kept choosing to go toward God. And I remember at church, the pastor was talking about God's a good God. And boy, I was struggling with that, because if you're a good God, how could you have let my baby die? If you're a good God. And, and I know that the devil was really, you know, kind of whispering that, yeah, but if God's good. Why did he let you go through that difficulty if God's good? And so I remember just the Holy Spirit so sweetly speaking to my heart one Sunday morning. He says, my goodness, I am a good God. And my goodness is not based upon whether good things or bad things happen. Because good things and bad things are going to happen to Christians and non-Christians. We live in a, a fallen world. But he said, my goodness is that when, not if, when you go through the valley or difficult times, I will be with you. That's my goodness. And it just put a different perspective on everything. Oh, you mean your goodness doesn't mean that everything is going to be hunky-dory all my life. Your goodness is that when I go through the good times, you're with me. Your presence is with me. When I go through the difficult times, you're with me. So that truth help to help me keep moving forward. So I would, for seven years, remember that. 
and as I would go and do different events and speaking events and sharing, I was encouraging um, others, you know, about disappointment, heartache, depression, and all that, remembering that God's a good God based upon not whether good things or bad things happen, but because he's with you. So I'm learning this message for the next seven years. So now let's take it back to the emergency room, right? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. That was the one thought. The second thought was, God, you're a good God. Hmm. I was, I was almost miffed by that thought that came through, but why it came through was that was and has been still the most difficult day in my life. But in that moment, God's presence was all over that room all over that room. That was his goodness. His goodness was, I would have loved for her, Christopher to have gotten up off that gurney. That didn't happen. I could say, why, why, why? And I have, but then I also have to trust God with, with that decision that that didn't happen. But the power of God was in that room so that I, I didn't go crazy, that I didn't start just pulling my hair out, that I didn't start just being a mad woman. That's the presence of God. And I felt it. It was that strength that kept us hold. It was holding us. And it, it continues to do that 12 years later. And so that's his goodness that no matter who is listening, you know, today, God's goodness is he's with us. That's this promise that he would be with us. So I had to kind of relearn that thought that, you know, God is not a sugar daddy. <laughs> you pray, you put this in, and you get something out. He's sovereign. He loves us. And then I'm not sure when later on we can even talk more about um, God knows what it's like. He had a son <laughs> who he gave for us. So he knows, he, he gets it. He knows what it feels like to have that absence of a, of a son, of a child. And uh, that helped when I, when I realized like, oh, okay, God. You know, when people, you'll, you know, you hear yourselves and others say, well, you don't understand. You don't understand. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. And so I'm telling you, that was the, that's kind of what happened. We didn't know Christopher had um, cardiomyopathy. He had a weak heart. And so we, it was undetected. Um, however, a month prior to that, we, he had um, passed out at school or before school, we took him to the doctor and they did all these tests and everything and said, clean bill of health. He's good to go. We went home, you know, thanking God that he's healthy, you know, praying for all the other people that we left at the children's hospital that weren't going to leave. And we headed home about a month to the day he collapsed and he was gone. So, I mean, we struggled with those thoughts. Like we took him, you know, the doctors gave us a clean bill of health, but he, he still, he still collapsed. So um, that has been quite the struggle. He would be about 25 now. And uh, you know, you see the people who uh, his classmates and different things, having children and having families, um, going to events, where you have the mother-son dance, and it, I mean, it just hits you like, oh, you'll never have that opportunity. And um, 
you know, even for me to smile, Laura, I, I, I feel myself smiling because over these last years, I thought I'd never smile again. And my name is Joy. <laughs> so I thought there'd be never any, any joy in my life ever again. Whew. But because of God and his compassion and his love and his ability to help walk it through each and every day, that gives me the joy. And knowing that Christopher is in our future, you know, that, that is, it, it's hope. It truly is hope. So, you know, that's, that's just the beginning of, of the story of um, instead of taking it from surviving to thriving, for sure. Oh, that's, thank you. That's quite the story. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up Matthew because I was going to ask you about that. You just said a statement that was, I just loved the way you put it. And you said something like that he's in your future. And so often we feel like it's done. It's over. This earth is it. Our child is gone. And we forget that where we are now is temporary. This is temporary. And, you know, I've, I've heard it said that we are not physical, earthly beings having a spiritual experience. It's the way around. We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. And so, yeah, sure we hurt. Sure we're in darkness. Sure we're in deep, deep pain. And, and for the rest of our life, there'll be tears and pain and sorrow. But it's not over. It's not over. And to know that there's still in our life, that this is temporary. That's huge. Now, Joy, your book, I love the name of your book. <laughs> and just your story, and even the title of your book, and, and we've had chances to talk before. And that's one reason why I wanted to ask you to talk, take this session on going from surviving to thriving, because your book is called, There's a Party in the Pit, and You're Invited, Learning to Live in the Light When It is Still So Dark. So I want to start off by asking you, do you honestly believe that's possible? <laughs> Laura, that is so fun. I love that you asked me that because it's like, really? Is that, are you really telling the truth? And I'm really telling the truth because, again, when how do you live without your child? You know, that's living the pits. That is the pit. A lot of times people will say, well, if I get this job or if I lose the weight or if I get this new whatever, you're going to get out of the pit. And then you go on your merry way. Well, when you are uh, at the loss of a child, mm, you can't just go on your merry way. Life has changed and life has changed forever. So how do you keep going forward? How do you keep having joy, uh, a desire to live again? <laughs> and all of those different things. And I think one of the things I've learned, Laura, is it's a, one, it's a choice. You, have, you come down to the point where, you know, you have to choose to start going toward the things that will help and start building again. You have to make a choice. It just doesn't happen. You have to choose. And so when I made that choice, and I remember I was having carpet time. I was just out on the floor crying and just thinking, I can't do this. And I hear the Holy Spirit just saying, no, you can't. But he, he, he was giving that ability through him. And I remember the month before I had uh, shared 
with a ladies group and it was Valentine's Day and they were wanting to know about love. Well, the, the topic that God had given me was, do you love me more? Do you love me more to not fuss with your husband? Do you love me more to spend quiet time with me? Do you love me more to put me first place in your life? So that was what I was sharing with the ladies. Little did I know that that next month and then about several months after that, after everything happened with Christopher, I'm in praying and I hear God speak inside, do you love me more to trust me, to, to trust me with your heart, you know, to not allow this, what's happened with Christopher to become more than you love me. Oh, I couldn't even answer that the first go around. <laughs> I, had to, I had to simmer on that one because I'm thinking, wow, okay, God, that's, I'm kind of um, bothered with that. However, when you start thinking about our children are so precious to us, but God gave us those children, <laughs> so they're really his. We're stewards over them. So my perspective, I began to get some proper perspective, and I was choosing to go toward God to allow him to help me gain proper perspective in my thinking and in my heart and in my spiritual part of looking at this and just like you said before thinking that we're we're not spirits here in this body it's like we're or how did you say that it was like we are not earthly beings having a spiritual experience we are spiritual beings having an earthly experience absolutely and so when you look at that and put that into proper perspective it puts a whole nother spin on everything and it allows us to one know that the true true purpose is sharing that salvation with people with our children with our family so that if and when we are propelled on forward to heaven that we're ready for heaven that we have that relationship with jesus christ so that gives us that hope that we get to see each other again but i think one of the things of the cho choices that uh was pressing into the pain when you, you lean into it, press into it, because a lot of times when you've gone through a loss like with a child, you want to run away from it. You don't want to deal with it. You want to you know, run as far away as you can, but you can't run. It is, it's everywhere. It's all the time. So instead of running, press into it as you lean into it. And yes, is it painful? Absolutely. Is it necessary? Absolutely. And that's where God meets us right there at that point of that pain he will meet us right there i can't tell you what it will look like for everybody because it's different it's just different but i know he will meet you there i can tell you that he will meet you there and then at that point when i was pressing into the pain and that was that just surviving <laughs> i was looking at the younger children um lauren and olivia 10 and 5 and I'm looking at them, and here I am just surviving. I've lost my oldest, my 13-year-old. But I still have children. I still have things I need to do. And, again, it was that choice of not just surviving, but I really need to thrive. So that was one of the things. Don't be afraid to press into the pain. Stop and stop running. <laughs> And just press into that pain that was one of the the choices that i made also to grow through what you go through okay so a lot of times when we if we don't want to press into the pain we'll miss those opportunities to grow through what we are going through 
and God starts to redo everything. I am not the same person I was. I'm not, I have more compassion. I have a heartbeat after uh, different things. I see things differently. Now, could that have happened without losing Christopher? Mm, no. <laughs> Would I have wanted to try to think that I could have? Yes, I definitely. I don't want to you know, go through that to become who I am. But th those were one of the things that I realized that as I pressed into the pain and I was growing through what I was going through, I was changing and, and it was good. And so you, you struggle with that. It's good that I'm changing and I, I, I like who I'm becoming, but what at the expense of, Oh my goodness. And then these are again, choices. These are little steps. Oh my goodness. And it didn't happen overnight. This is a journey. <laughs> so these things happened gradually over, over, it continues to happen. I mean, you never arrive, Laura, you know, you never arrive like, Oh, I'm all good. <laughs> you never arrive. But that again is one of those things you learn. You, you lean into it and you get okay with growing through that. You become aware that others, um, you can't measure, they can't measure what they uh, don't understand. Little sidebar. I had some um, folks that were getting ready for, um, I actually was getting, helping them get ready for um, a little baby Grace. She was, you know, had uh, not um, survived more than like a, a day. And so we were, I felt compelled. It was shortly after Christopher and I felt compelled to go help um, get balloons ready and, and do what I could to help this family get ready to walk this journey. And so the people that were there were talking about how they were going to miss their children getting ready to go to college and, and leaving and doing different things. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it without, you know, this person. And I don't know how this is, you know, they were, they were grieving over their child going to college. <laughs> and I'm like, hello, I will not even get that opportunity. You can call, go visit, write a letter, pick up the phone. I can't do that. I was sitting there and I was just, getting kind of mad. And I'm thinking, you guys, do you not realize? <laughs> and then as I was driving home, because I said, you know, I need to go. And I didn't tell them anything. I just left. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart. He says, release them because they don't know what they don't know. I'm thinking that they can measure to them, their child going away to school, is the, is the toughest thing that they can measure. They can't measure what our shoes are or what we've walked in. So that gave me a deep breath. Again, that was one of those, you grow through what you go through. It was a lesson. So I can, when others are saying, oh, I can't, they can't measure. And I don't want them to have to measure in my moccasins. But that was one of those things, like it helps your spirit, man. It helps you mentally, it helps you emotionally realize your friends and family really don't understand until they've walked through it and it's not something you want them to. That is why I believe it is so valuable what we're doing, your summit, and all the things that you're putting around to give um, information from people, from parents who have walked through this to make it available for parents who are walking through it. Powerful, powerful, because that's who I was seeking out. When everything happened with me, like you went to the conference of, of joy, was it joy into morning, turning joy into morning? 
Yeah, I, morning into dancing. Mm -hmm. Morning into dancing. Yes, yes, yes. And I was always looking. I wanted to talk to those people. I wanted to hear, hey, how am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Is a, it, Am I okay? <laughs> because sometimes you feel like you're absolutely going to lose your mind. And then someone else who's been down the road, maybe 10 years into it, they take your hand and they hold your hand and they walk with you. So Laura, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. You're walking with others. We're walking together. And I am, I am so um, glad God joined us together that we can help others, you know, walk this journey. And I think that was the other thing of, of surviving to thriving. I got mad after a while. I thought, okay, devil, <laughs> you are trying to stop me from being an encourager or, or, or the ministry end of the things that I had desired that Christopher was going to be a part of. And it was like, again, perspective. I could choose to stay here and be depressed and never come out, never get dressed, never brush my teeth, never comb my hair. I could, but the choice was, no, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to see how you're going to heal and help us so that we can turn around and how Second uh, Corinthians talks about those things you turn around and you help others, those things that God has comforted you with, you then turn around and help others. So that began to be kind of midway, you know. And as I turned around and started helping others, that's when things started to begin to thrive. You know, there was a, if I can say it, a healthiness to everything that was going on. I wasn't as depressed. <laughs> There was a fuel, you know, instead of, instead of things pulling me, I felt like I had a push to things and it just started to happen again, gradually. So um, when I look at that, I think of uh, focusing what, what I guess can push me right on forward to uh, write the book, um, work on parents on call helping hurting hearts heal, all these different things, retreats on the go, all these different things that God has placed in me, again, to help hearts, to encourage those to keep on going, to show Jesus as number one sovereign God that he loves us, was the fact that I had been instilling that into Christopher, you know, God's goodness, who God is, we can trust him, um, what heaven's going to be like. I mean, all these things as a young kid, and we were wanting to help him grow up to be a young man of God, loving God. So the, the real thing that hit the nail on the head was, what would Christopher be saying to me <laughs> right now? What would be his thoughts? Mom, I'm fine. Now, you go tell everybody about Jesus. You go get the job done. You remind yourself of who God is in your life. You remind, and I started to like, all right, you know, I, we are on a mission here, Christopher. And so every time, you know, the things that we do, even as a family, he is still such an intricate part of our ministry, of our lives, of everything but again he's just not physically here he's gone ahead he's where we're helping other people to be ready to go so again when i started 
with proper perspective thinking, hmm, Christopher's in my future. He's not in my past. Oh, let's, let's, let's run this race. Let's get the job done. Let's do this thing because it's not going to be a forever thing as, a, as Christians. You know, we, we just believe that the future is going to be um, the part that of heaven of allowing God to, to rule and reign. And when you know him as your Lord and savior, that day with the, with the, the casket and all those different things, it, is circumstantial and it really messes with your eyes because you're looking at this and thinking oh, this is it but that's when the word of God has to be penetrating and you know that this is not it but I love the fact it was really the first Easter after Christopher I'm telling you Easter began to be that much more powerful because when when Jesus rose from the dead oh my word that is the hope we have. And because of that, I know I will see Christopher again. And, and then I know I will see God. I'll see him. And so will I get there and say, what was that all about? God, couldn't you have, I'll have all these questions. Sometimes we think we'll, we'll, have, we'll ask him all those things. I don't think so. <laughs> it will be such a joy to be, whew, to be reunited and, uh, I think that's, I like to, I know, and we're just going on and on, but I love this. We're just, we're just talking to chit-chat. I love when the uh, military men and women surprise their families and they all of a sudden show up and their child or the mom didn't know that they were coming. They walk around the corner or they just show up that the person turns around and they see them. That. I feel will be how it will be when we see our child again. It's like, oh, there'll be just such a rush. And so I love watching those things. I cry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just sit there and cry. But it just is like one day, one day, that's going to be me. And so I just want to be able to, you know, live life with others who who because of losing a child may want to give up, quit, and um, be depressed and think that life is over. Um, no, we, we, we want to help. We want to encourage you. There are all kinds of different things that help um, um, our children to be able to be part of our lives, whether it's a foundation or um, certain things you can do to keep, one, to keep their memory involved, but then to turn around and help other people. So there are a lot of a lot of ways. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's an ever-increasing club because parents are joining us every single day, unfortunately. So there's always, always people to reach out to. That is where we are ending our talk for now, and we will pick it up again next week. Now, before we go to the birthday segment, I want to make sure you know about my weekly word of hope. Each Wednesday, I send out a word of encouragement by email. And I want to just read to you a few things that people have said about this weekly word of hope. Jen says, thank you, Laura, for having a servant heart and walking this journey with so many of us grieving parents who are needing these timely messages. Sue says, your emails have been so inspirational to me over the past 11 months. Next month is the first anniversary of my daughter's death, and it is not a date I am looking forward to. 
Lori says, I just want to thank you for your emails. They really help me. Then the last one I'll read here is from Chrissy. And she wrote and said, thank you for your emails of encouragement that you send, as I do read each and every one of them. Sometimes I go back weeks after to reread them. Thank you for sharing your story, your grief journey, and words of encouragement for all of us who have lost our everything, our child. Now, along with this weekly word of hope and this word of encouragement that I send out each week, I also, in that email, I'll share some piece of information about events or things that are happening that the GPS Hope family might want to know about. Some of those things that are coming up that will be in these weekly Word of Hope emails, it's, it's not a huge thing. I just usually just pick one thing that I let you know about. But like right now, I am writing a book, another book. This I think it's my eighth book. But this is going to be a book of daily readings for perivers. And so I'll let you know as I progress with that. Hopefully it'll be ready in time for the holidays. I have a CD of some of the songs that I've written that is getting closer to being available. I've had people ask me when we go and minister and we speak and I sing, people have been asking me for a CD. So we're working on that. We are going to be having an online auction this summer to help raise money for GPS Hope so that we can continue to grow our outreach of providing support and resources to grieving parents, and you might be interested in knowing more about that. And we're working on securing a venue to have a weekend retreat in the southern Wisconsin area, hopefully in August, and another one in Ohio in October. These are some of the things that I just let you know about along with this weekly Word of Hope. So if you're interested and you want to make sure you don't miss anything and you want to get this weekly word of encouragement, all you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash hope. All we need is your name and your email address. We won't spam you, I promise. We don't give out your information. And you can unsubscribe at the bottom anytime that you no longer want to get these emails. So I hope you, you join us in that way. And now let's go ahead with our birthday segment. First, we have Sydney Cisse, who was born sleeping on May 11th. Jack Randall Whitaker was born on May 12th and is forever 37. Jordan Slusher was born on May 17th and is forever 21. We celebrate these children with their families, knowing how important it is to remember this special day. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced, I would love to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org birthdays, fill out the form, and I'll be sure to add your child to our list and announce him or her the week of their birthday. I hope you were blessed by some of the things Joy shared. Next week, we'll talk more about how to lean into the pain. And I asked Joy specifically about her experience of feeling God's presence when she was told that Christopher, there was nothing the doctors could do. And to talk about those who don't have that experience when their child dies. She also prays over all of us, and Joy shares a wonderful poem from her book that you will want to hear. So I hope you join me next week, and until then, remember to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.